This is Jesse Parker and Tommy Niblack. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Faith, faith Chair, Chair, where we answer the questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. And on today's episode, Jesse and I tackle the topic of serving inside the building as opposed to serving outside the building. Hope you're ready. Let's get into it. <clears throat> Yo, it is right there. Faith Chair Saturday. <laughs> you ain't gonna get me. Um, Jesse, we get the fresh cut. And this is the second time. You didn't ask this time, but the last time you asked for a lineup on the beard. Mm-hmm. You don't normally ask for that. So that's that's tight. And it looks good. Nice. That's tight. And it's a lovely day today. The sun is out. It's about 50 degrees. It's supposed awesome. to be sunny most of the next week. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that because uh, I'm tired of the cold. Yes. I Y'all know us out here in the Pacific Northwest. We have to value and treasure man every single sunny day that exists in between September and May. Every <laughs> last one, every last one, and it's uh it's funny because all last week, like Monday to Thursday, sun. Yeah. Then Friday, boom. Yeah. Actually, uh, at work on Friday, the garage door opened. At one point, it was raining. Um, when we were getting a delivery, then two hours later, excuse me, another delivery came, the door opened, sunny outside. I was like, yes. By the time I got off work, it was raining again. <laughs> <laughs> it was cloudy. I was like, no. Yeah, we, I, I don't think we've quite gotten into the, uh, crazy spring weather, but yeah, we'll get there. Mm. Y'all, that's why we invented zip-off pants and, and jackets. There it is. They got invented out here because you can get three different seasons all in one day. In one day. And you got to be prepared. But nobody really brings umbrellas where they go. I noticed that. I always do. I don't like getting wet. I mean, they say, like, oh, if you're a real Pacific Northwesterner. Like, you don't little, use an umbrella. Little rain don't. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> rain is rain. Nobody wants to get wet. Why? Yeah. Anyway, so today, um, this is a is a topic that I've actually dealt with just in everyday general life because I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing by my family, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's serving in the church versus serving outside of the church. And for me, I think about. Uh, not necessarily doing things like in the homeless community at uh, food banks and shelters, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was more of um, am I being the same person that people think I am at church, the way I, the way I serve in the building right. as opposed to the way I serve at home. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And... Uh, I've always thought about it, but the rubber didn't hit the road until uh, recently. Mariah and I were having a discussion about some stuff that had that had come up, and uh, it made me think about, man, why, why don't I do the this here at home? Why why am I not championing? That's the word that we used, championing my family in certain areas, like I champion people. Mm. In other areas outside of the home. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
I read. I'm trying to remember where it was. I I can't remember. I think it was in uh, William Barclay's Bible study. And I, but I can't remember now if it's the one I'm reading for John for our, mm-hmm. our preaching series right now, or mm-hmm. if it's the Corinthians one for the Bible study. But uh, I believe it was in one of those two books. He said um, it was something. To, it was about like you know we are willing to act and say things at home that we never would in public. Yeah. And that's one of those challenges when it comes to, you know, the Matson's book, right? Yeah, Shrinking yeah. the integrity gap. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Yeah. It's like, am I the same person? The term that is 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 congruency. Right. Am I congruent? Uh, and, and, of course, we understand, like, lots of people deal with that, especially in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pastors, families, PKs, like, are you the same in front of the crowd? Are you the same in front of believers? Are you same in front of your boss? Are you same in front of your wife and your kids? Mm-hmm. Or are you a different person based upon the place which you're mm-hmm. at? Um, and obviously there's going to be nuances there, but it's like really the core of who you are. Like, yeah, are you respectful out. in That's one right. space and disrespectful in another? Mm-hmm. Do you champion, you know, one group of people and, and not champion your own family? Right. Like, are you compassionate and grace, giving grace and mercy, you know, in, when you're counseling people in church, but then at home, you're harsh and that's critical. Right. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge question, a huge issue that we all have to deal with. Because I think we all have a tendency, <laughs> other than, I mean, I, I, it's probably a personality disorder if you don't struggle with this. <laughs> like, if you're just like a, a, a narcissistic psychopath right. who doesn't right. care about anyone then you're going to be whoever you want to be mm-hmm. wherever you are. And you see people like that. Like, this is who I am. Like, okay, right. so you're just rude all the time? Well, at least you're congruent. At least right. everybody knows what they're going to right. get, but nobody right. likes you. Right. <laughs> that's, the, right. That's, the, that's the thing that, that messes me up because it's like, okay, because I've heard that a lot in my life from family members, from friends, this is just who I am. You don't like who I am. What are you, what are you talking about? So you're fine with knowing that you are a jerk. Right. And you're fine with actually no not only knowing you're a jerk, but being a jerk all the time. You're yeah. fine with that. Yeah. It's like, no, you you're uh, and and for the the uh the body of Christ, I feel like we might have talked talked about this before, but however God created us, um like I have a family member who's very pugnacious. Like they, they just they'll find any excuse to fight. You know what I'm saying? And anything is a great thing to fight over. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But I feel like as I was asking the Lord about it, I was like, God, why is this person like this? Um, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, because they don't understand that that I made them like that for the kingdom. Right. Yeah, there's a there's a righteous version. There's a of, righteous version. We of talk it. about this with right. the character of God, right? right. Uh, we we do, we deal with this a lot um, in our Bible study and yeah. stuff, where we're, we talk about these different aspects. Like when you talk about how how often the Bible talks about Jesus or God uh, being jealous. Yes. And you're like, okay, so we have to delineate between the perfection jealous of God and our imperfect right. uh, jealousy of human so beings our, our are not the right. same. Like, right. So these the personification of these terms, how we understand that in our imperfection, in our flesh, in the ways that we've seen people use it poorly, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't necessarily equate to the perfect version of it in God. Right. God can be angry. God can be uh, uh, 
jealous. God can be, uh, um, I mean, the the flood, right? He can be, I don't know what you would want to call it, vindictive, whatever. Frustrated. Um, All that The Bible says, you know, vengeance is the Lord's. That's right. So he's the avenger. Hees the revenger. Mm -hmm. Like, and and, but we have to realize, like, he's the perfect version of it, Mm -hmm. right? And so it it doesn't always reflect uh, the same thing in in our right. So like, you know, if, if I'm that way. I'm probably doing it in an imperfect way, and it's probably something I need to control, and and try to be Christ-like, and right. not just allow it free reign. Right. So when you were thinking about this topic, what what situations or uh, was there anything that prompted this thought to be like, yo? Yeah. Well, I I for, I forget exactly what it was. Yeah. It was it was a video that I was watching of uh, a pastor talking about leadership. Mm-hmm. And and I think it also came out of some of the things that uh, I wrote about in the book, too, around this idea of, like, the church has been, in the church, we've been really good at teaching people how to worship through service in the church. Right. And, and again, it's that idea of, like, we're, we're not equipping you for the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. We're wor- equipping you to the work of the church work in the building it was work, work which is here. yeah not even right. the work of the church the work of the building right so like yeah we we teach you to serve in facilities we mm-hmm. teach you to 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 serve in children's ministry we teach mm-hmm. you to serve in guest relations we teach you to serve in but where is the teaching to serve you know uh, uh humanity people, yeah humanity <laughs> serve yeah. you know people outside the church mm-hmm. teaching people to have right balance in serving how many i mean how many families have been destroyed by right. a church's tendency to abuse someone's willingness to say yes for that's various right. reasons that's right we're gonna have another topic where we get into adopting anointings mm-hmm. that gets used a lot in the same way mm-hmm. like if you want to be around me and if you want to be able to take my mantle and my anointing and be great in the Lord like me, mm-hmm. then you have to say yes to everything. I was in a church Even like clean that. The, cleaning the, you clean, I know people that in order to get their place in ministry or the, in, in, the, in the Pentecostal circles, and now even I think in, in Kojic, uh, maybe even in Baptist. I don't have much experience in Baptist, but uh, in the Baptist community, but... In Pentecostal and Kojic, there are seats on the stage mm-hmm. for yeah, the yeah, right, right, right. for the different spiritual leaders. And if you're the the senior pastor or the bishop, you get the biggest chair in the center of the stage. And right. if you're like a deacon, elder, associate pastor, or or in training, you have a seat yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, and so you would do certain things yeah. to get. Yeah. This whole language of armor bearing and all this kind of stuff. Like, again, a lot of it, and this is the trick of the enemy, a lot of it is loosely based in scripture, but the way it's being applied is really manipulative. Right. Right. And again, like we said, I don't think a lot of times it's intentionally manipulative. Mm -hmm. This is just the system that we've been taught. This is the, I mean, we've been pastors, we understand. Mm -hmm. Look. Uh, people want their kids watched during the church, but ain't mm-hmm. nobody ever want to serve in children's ministry. Right. So you you have to, not that you have to, you you shouldn't have to, but mm-hmm. sometimes you feel like you have to twist some arms and maybe manipulate some emotions and maybe manipulate some theology to try to force people to yeah. fill a gap that yeah. you know needs to be filled. And and but that that's that's kind of the. Uh, 
proverbial poisonous tree mm-hmm. or you know that the rock rolling down they, like once you get it going the slippery slope is a yeah. legal term they use if you take one step down that slope because it's slippery mm-hmm. next thing you know you're all the way down the valley and you're doing some really shady stuff it's at uh simon Sinek in his book infinite games talks about that as being ethical fading yeah like it's just yeah. uh one step one um immoral decision after yeah. the other and it's based it's based on the fact that well nobody's telling me not to do it right you know the powers that be have not put a, a law in effect that right. says this is against the law so right and it's I, it's I kind of, it. it's kind of akin to what I was t- I was telling you guys about and so I'll share with the listeners uh, years ago coming out of high school I broke my leg really seriously playing soccer and I was bedridden for like an entire summer have anything to do we didn't have cable tv Mm -hmm. you know this is back in the day y'all i'm old okay we didn't have netflix (laughs) so all i had was my super nintendo and i must have played like a hundred full 162 game seasons of king Griffey junior baseball and it you know it wasn't like the games are today where you can create your own players with all these abilities and stuff or develop them all you could do was you could trade players but the algorithm in the game only you know if a player's skill level was 33 you couldn't trade them for anyone whose skill level was higher than like 37. Mm-hmm. But you could trade them for a 36 mm-hmm. and then trade the 36 for a 40, then trade the 40 for a 43. Mm-hmm. And so I would I would sit there for hours trading players until my team had all the 99s, right? Yes. And that's kind of like it's ethical crazy. fading. Right, right, the, right. The enemy knows that he can't get you to do the thing that's 75% bad. Right. But he can get you to do 5%. That's right. And then the next 5%, all of a sudden you're 10% away that's from right. what's right. That's and right. And another 5%, you're 50 And before you know it, you're 75% away from what's right. It mm-hmm. took a little bit of time, but guess what? He's patient. That's right. Right? And so that's how we get off course. That's yeah. how, that's how you know, if, you, if you're going on a five-mile journey and you're one degree off on your route, you're probably going to get close to your destination. But if you're on a 100-mile journey... And you're one degree off, you're going to end up in a whole other state. That's exactly right. And so it doesn't require. Exactly we 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 know how to res- most of the time. Mm-hmm. Most of us as believers know how to respond to the temptations of the enemy mm-hmm. when they're just bold and in your face. Mm-hmm. Like no. I'm not going to respond to this message from this sexy person on Facebook who I mm-hmm. don't even know because I'm married. Like you're not going to catch me with that. Mm-hmm. But that happened to me. But last, you're gonna catch me, me on. Last week. But you're gonna catch me on TikTok <laughs> as I'm just scrolling through videos, and right. suddenly there's a girl in some lingerie, and I happen to look at it for three seconds. Right. And then the next time I look at it for ten seconds, before you know it, I'm following somebody. That's before right. Before you know it, I'm, I'm I'm starting to have online communications with somebody. That's right. And the next thing you know, I'm Carl Lentz. Right. Like that's how the enemy does that's us. That's right. And so. Like, this idea of, like, serving in the church, mm-hmm. it, like, look, ministry has to happen. Things, there are ministries and, and, and uh, teams that, that need to happen in the church for Sundays and for for what we call church ministry, which may or may not be necessary in and of itself. We talk sure. a lot about all that. But in the model that we have right now, like this stuff, there needs to be a greeting team. There needs to be yeah. ushers if you have a large church building. there has Like, there definitely needs to be, most of the time, children's ministry and if you don't have volunteers to fill those spaces you need to find a way to get them Mm -hmm. and what happens is the church i feel like has gotten really good at training people to serve the needs of the industrial complex of the church building and sunday morning ministry but but not equipping saints for the work of the ministry in their life that's right 
You're doing a great job in the kids' ministry. You're doing a great job, yeah. ushers. You're doing a great job on the worship team. Yeah. You're doing a great job uh, speaking and, and, we and leading. And we tie it to group. worship. You tie it we to We tie it to, right. oh, I mean, what's that's the right. verse that gets used all the time, right? Offer your lives as a living sacrifice. How, that is. Yeah, we know you don't want to serve in children. We know you hate <sighs> kids and they drive you crazy, but be a sacrifice for that the Lord. Is not, this is your reasonable worship to the that Lord, is right? Not and. And you can get like I like I said, you can get tricked into thinking, and you said this um, in last season that we can we can get tricked into thinking that our worship or our faith is relegated to just being being worked out yeah. on Sundays yeah. that, that, and that's, on Wednesdays. That's where this becomes problematic. Right. And, and listen, guys, we're not saying don't serve in church, right? Okay. Like definitely serving in church, but but what we're trying to point out is how these systems become problematic in the bigger picture. They make that um, the the majority. Yeah, that's the that's my majoring in a minor, right? What, right. The, serving in the church is the minor. It's like it's a it's a small slice yeah. of a cake. Unless you're doing something piece. that you feel God has specifically yeah. called you to. Mm-hmm. But again, there should be con- if you feel like God has called you to hospitality. Yeah. He has not called you just to put out coffee and muffins on Sunday on morning. Sunday, you're hospitable you're called, all the exactly, time. Exactly, exactly. You should be inviting right. people in your church to your home. You should be, you know, hospitality should be a part of who, again, right. what's the key word? Congruency. Right. There needs to be a congruency in our service in the church versus our service outside the church. There needs Can to be congruency in our love for the church versus our love right. for the lost. We should have a congruency. People should not look at us. Mm-hmm. The Bible talks about this, right? You can't be two-faced. We can't be hypocritical. You can't serve two masters. God want, we God desires that we would be the same, right? Everywhere. Jesus was the same uh, he to went. the Pharisees, to his disciples, and in front of the crowd. He was the same person. He didn't, he didn't mince words, pull right. punches. He spoke the truth. Even when it was unpopular, right? He was congruent, and God wants us to be congruent. Yeah. But I feel like in ministry, uh, pastors and church leaders, we we're not teaching believers how to live congruently, because we're just we're so focused on the need we need to meet that you can help me meet. It's um, Simon Sinek talks about it in the book that I'm reading now by him is called um, Leaders Eat Last, and he's talking about. He, I don't know if this, this. He's probably not a believer. He, he's not a believer that that I, that I know of. But the principles and the concepts that social scientists are finding, when they study human behavior, when they study CEOs and how they, um, when they study the Marine Corps and um, um, people like David Marquis, mm-hmm. um, their habits, the habits of leaders, people in charge, and the people that follow them. They say, as the culture goes, as the leader goes, so does the so does the culture. Right. As the if the leader is this way, the people that follow him yeah. are going to be that way. Yeah. And you see that. I, this is me telling a story about just being open myself. What happened? I was in a church where the leader was narcissistic. The leader was abusive. The leader was arrogant. And all those things that um, fall under the umbrella of narcissism. And I found myself, when pushed in the corner, treating other people there the same way. Right. 
Because this is the standard. It's the standard that he set. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? And um, I feel like that's... And I laughed earlier when you were talking about hospitality because thinking about a person that is opening the door, you know, on on Sundays, let, greeting people, let you know, giving them pamphlets, showing them where the coffee bar is, showing them where the bathroom is, walking them down to the nursery room if, if it's their first time in the building. But when they get home and their kid's like, hey... Uh, mom, could you come help me? Da, da, da. Do it yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, what do you want why? from me? Why? I expended all of my service energy at this church, and I no longer have any left for we my don't, family. We, and we don't support that because the most important thing is yeah. making everything run well. On Sunday, mainly yeah. for the mainly for the whoever's the senior pastor. And yeah. I, I want to get out of this rut of always. To, Talking about men as being the senior pastor, but that's what we've that's what we see yeah, all the time. Ninety five percent is um, whoever the guy is on stage. We want to make sure he's not mad, he's not pissed off, because yeah. if it goes wrong, then somebody's going to call the meeting. So we serve, we worship, we make our service worship on that day. Yeah. Then soon as we get home, not even Monday. Right. Soon as we get home, you know what I'm saying, and I've I've been guilty of it. Come home, and be like, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. And I had to realize, like I said, my wife and I have uh, been asking these questions of ourselves the past couple of weeks. What is my real motivation in service? Yeah. Is is my service so that people can see me? Yeah. One is it so that whoever's in charge doesn't get upset with me? Um. Or is it so that it is it is is my motivation an actual overflow of the love of God that's in my yeah, life? Yeah, and that, it, and again, it look it, and it not com- self serving. It comes down to who we're following, mm-hmm. right? And 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 I understand that in the systems that we live in, mm-hmm. it can appear as if the there's a man or a woman that we're following, yeah. but in reality. It's Christ, it's right? Christ. The Bible says, "Choose this day whom you will serve," and and later on, and I don't remember which book in the New Testament it is. Remember, it says, uh, um, "In all that you do, mm-hmm. do it as if you were serving the Lord." Yeah, right. And so, like again, it is, yeah. it is is well, and this is a whole other topic. I think we've talked about it before, right? Uh, that the building that you have church in is not the lord's house right um but but again but and the lord i think you posted it and again there's some you there's some wrong there's some wrong theology about the lord doesn't only live there right right it's not the tabernacle right okay right and so he's so, got so he's if, got a few thousand houses right uh with it, high mortgages all over the country right. <laughs> if if everything we do is onto the lord mm-hmm. And when I choose who I'm going to serve, I'm choosing to serve the Lord as my King, Lord, and Savior, right? Yeah. This is the confession of faith that we all supposedly make. Well, then he's he's everywhere. He's everywhere. And so, again, in the same with the same energy, like mm-hmm. you said, with the mm-hmm. same intention and with the same uh, graciousness, sacrifice, mm-hmm. love, whatever is your motivation when you're mm-hmm. serving in the church yeah. should carry over to how you serve your family. That's right. But like you said, because... 
because to fill the need, mm -hmm. church leaders teach believers and use language so that we associate our worship of God with our service in the house, but we don't associate our worship of God with what we do outside of the house. Yeah. And so there's an incongruency. Mm -hmm. when, when I, how I interact with my spouse is, can, is worship unto God if I'm That's doing right. it as if unto the Lord. That's right. Same if how I interact with my kids, how I interact with my in-laws. I was just writing in the chapter from uh, uh, Isaiah 58. I was just writing, adding something in the book from Isaiah 58. Uh, I, for, I think it's verse 6 and 7 and the end of verse 7. It, it, this is where God, he in, in the first six verses, he's chastising them for their false fasting. Right. He's talking yeah. about, oh, you want to be so pious, you yeah. pretending you cover yourself in sackcloth and ashes. Mm -hmm. But in reality, your hearts are uh, far, know, from me. far from me and you're doing all these negative things. And then in, in verse six and seven, I think it is seven or eight. He lists what he what he considers real fast. Mm -hmm. And at the, the last one is and do not hide from your relatives who need help. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, was like, I love the fact that that was that he added that in like. You know, we all have those. But again, so like how I interact wow. with even with my family, how I interact with the loss, how I how I am at work. All of these things should be congruent with the way I am at church. They should all be congruent because I understand that all of them are worship to God if I'm living it right. I want to read that. Yeah, yeah. It's Isaiah 58. Dang. Pull it up. Uh, hopefully I'm remembering the chapter right. Uh, is not this the kind of fasting Trump. I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke is not to share food with the hungry and to provide for the poor wanderer with the shelter when you see the naked to clothe them. What? And what? do not hide from relatives who what? need your help. Yeah, so, and this is a great verse to illustrate this, right? None of this has Don't to turn do... turn away from your own flesh and blood. None of this has to do with what we're doing in the church. Or, you know, this is in Old the, Testament. The building, none of right. this had to do with the tabernacle or the That's temple. Right. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Uh -huh. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Close to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. In other words, what God is saying is, I don't care about the sacrifices, uh, the holy things, the pious right. uh, uh, words from your mouth or ac even actions that you take. Because what does the Bible say when, when, uh, when, when, when uh, um, uh, Samuel was going to anoint the new king of Israel? That's right. He, he said, said, I don't, I don't look, look at, at the outward appearance. I, look at that. I look at the heart. That's right. And so God doesn't look at your service in the church. He looks at your heart. Mm-hmm. Are you serving out of a right heart? But then he also looks at are you are you serving are you living and serving and loving your family the same way? He's like, I could care less if you serve in ministry. I could care less if you volunteer every week. Do you think that that's earning you rewards in heaven? If you're if you're you know cussing out your wife, if you're gossiping behind your boss's back, if you're mistreating your uh, loved ones, if you're you know if you're doing all of these other things, then like just stop pretending. I don't want it. And just so you know, that's I that's Isaiah fifty eight verse, what where we just started was uh, verse six, but that's not Isaiah talking. That's I that's the Lord speaking yeah, that's through Lord, Isaiah. Yeah. This is to the this, children. Yeah, this is so directly this is not, from God. This is God speaking, and God's heart 
the heart of God never changes. It's redemption, love, and grace. Um, th and that's for everybody. That's yeah. the whosoever. He's not going to say whosoever and not mean it. Yeah. Um, so when God is speaking through Isaiah saying, saying, if you're going to fast, the fast that I've chosen is that you're taking care of people, essentially. Yeah. You're taking care of people that you're that you say you take care of in a temple that you're going yeah. to do in a temple. Yeah. yeah. But you're not really doing it outside the temple. That whole prophecy actually it connects with Matthew chapter 25. Yeah. Where he says, you yeah, know, at the me, judgment day, you know, no, that this is Matthew 25 is the one where uh, you know, he's describing the end days and he says, uh, and you know, and the righteous will come and say, you know, Oh, he'll, I forget how it goes, but I mean, basically he'll say, Hey, come, come, yeah. you, you know, you righteous ones for when I was thirsty, you gave me water. That's when right. I was hungry, you gave me food. And they'll say, when, and he said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. Yeah. So it's the same, it's the same, almost the same list of things. Uh, uh, That's right. You know, give me food to the hungry. Give me clothes to visit the naked. Give me shelter to the uh, the stranger. Yeah, it's it's a very yeah. similar yeah. list of things. And so, like, we have to realize, like, this isn't just what God wants from our fasting. Gosh. This is what He wants from our life. How and, would this and change? That, and those actions of congruency in our service and mm -hmm. our love, inside and outside the church, um, is a determining factor in our salvation. How do you think it, how, how could this look if ministries all across, not just the United States, but the world, um, were refocused? And I've heard it said, I heard, um, I can't remember if it was Tim Keller or, um, or Judd Wilhite, but it was this idea of being outsider focused rather than inside. Yeah. Inside focused. Um, how could it look? if communities all over the world began to be more out, outward focused rather than inward focused. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a, this whole thing of, uh, we gotta make sure we have the best light so when people come in, we gotta make sure we have the best X, Y, Z yeah. so when people come in. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, because the reality is, especially now after sticking COVID and quarantines and stuff and everything being shut down and um, um, gathering limitations, on all fronts, not just right. um, for churches, um, the reality is we may not be able to do church as the modern way yeah. we've been doing it before. Yeah. So, like, the whole theology and the way that's been applied up until now really doesn't hold water because mm -hmm. the folks outside... Right. haven't been the beneficiaries of any right. of it, you know, right. for, for the most part, not right. everybody. But how do you think it would look? Um, I mean, just making those let's, changes? Let's, 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 talk, let's talk about a few, you know, small examples. Um, a hot topic with a lot of people right now that, you know, I've responded to before is uh, like the whole, the new phase is LED walls, right? And so, like a decent sized LED, the whole back wall, uh, a, a, a decent sized LED. I mean, you, you guys yeah, have yeah. it as the river, right? Yeah. A decent sized LED wall is going to run you about a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, well, let's think about what you could accomplish in missions with a hundred thousand dollars. Absolutely. Like how many? Absolutely. Okay, you're how how many people are 
like realistically, how many non-saved people are going to come to your church and have an experience with the Lord simply because you have an LED wall and get saved versus how many people in Ecuador could get saved, given education, given medicine, given a place to live and a school mm-hmm. to go to for, I don't know, two, three years with that yeah. $100,000? Yeah. Right? So it's, it's a question of impact. And we've gotten so inwardly focused and we, and we justify how we think this is going to have an impact for the kingdom. But what we, and, it, and not saying that it wouldn't, mm-hmm. but we have to weigh that impact versus, uh, it, um, I think we talked about this a long time ago, and I don't remember if we did an episode about it. Mm-hmm. If we haven't, we should. But I remember a few years ago, we were at the, uh, we were at our annual conference when we were in the Free Methodist Church. Okay. And one of the speakers was, and I forget her name, but she was in, she's in charge of international missions for the whole Free Methodist Church okay. uh, worldwide. And she gave this amazing uh, uh, exhortation. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a message. Mm-hmm. It was a, I don't know what you want to call it, a TED Talk, whatever. But what she was basically saying was we need to rethink how we do missions. Yeah. She's like, because what the Western world does, what has become a popular system is we raise twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to send our youth group mm-hmm. to Chile for a week mm-hmm. so that they can have a positive experience. Mm-hmm. And, and it has, you know, you know, it may have an impact on the people there right. for the gospel. Right. But that $30,000 could support the ministry already happening with the missionaries who are actually grounded there. Yeah. That can support them for a whole year. Yeah. If not more, that could build a whole church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How much more of an impact. Mm -hmm. And so then we have, we, she was like, we need to begin to weigh how we're you, are we being good stewards of the resources God has given us? Or are we wasting them on experiences and ineffective models? Something way simpler that every church could, could uh, identify with. Most churches these days, I feel like, even smaller churches, the last three churches that I've been a part of are not mega churches. None of them, neither, none of them were over 200 people when we all did this. So you don't have to have a huge donuts and coffee. You got That's donuts it. and coffee for people to feel comfortable when they come on Sunday morning. Totally cool. But what if you had a team on Sundays who took donuts and coffee to the homeless people around your church? That are, that are camped. In the neighborhood around just a couple, yeah. not even a couple miles for where we are, yeah. for where you guys are in yeah. Renton. They're just like yeah. a few yards. It's just, hey, we love you. We, yeah. we know it's cold and we wanted to, you know, bring some yeah. to eat and a, and a coffee and and strike up conversation, build a relationship with them, invite them to church, sure, but don't have strings attached to it. Right. Let's weigh the kingdom impact. Do people really need a donut and coffee yeah. to come to church. Are they not going to come to church because they don't get a donut and some coffee? Maybe some people will, and that's pretty sad. But I think on the on the large part, we understand that this is just a luxury. It's just an extra layer of comfort. So you're saying that the gathering, the body of Christ, when we gather, we should be a, a love hub. We should be we should be emitting love from uh, the fact that we we came together. And the community knows because they're experiencing love from us. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. Hmm. It, should, it should radiate out. This That is the work of the ministry yeah. that we as leaders are tasked with, given the responsibility by the Lord for equipping the saints for. But all we've been training people to do is to... And, and it's like, okay, uh, again, I think I've mentioned this before because uh, this is something my sister introduced me for because she has a chronic illness, mm-hmm. uh, the spoon theory. 
And the spoon theory basically says that, you know, everyone has, and there's lots of different variations that probably use lots of different pictures other than spoon, but I think it was, that's the one that I've heard of. Every, everybody has a certain number of spoons, mm-hmm. and that those spoons represent your energy for the day. So mm-hmm. let's say the average person has five spoons, right? It takes you a spoon to get up and get ready and, you know, do everything you need to do. You can spend three spoons at work, mm-hmm. spend another spoon with your family, um, you know, and so you're at the end of the day, you're not totally exhausted. You've got a spoon left, but a person who has a chronic illness, yeah, it takes them three spoons to get up and get ready in the morning, leaving them only two for work. So halfway through their work day, they're already spent and exhausted. Yeah. They got nothing left. Yeah, that's true for all of us. We all have mm-hmm. a capacity. Mm-hmm. Most of us have a forty, at least a forty-hour uh, uh, work week. Uh, in, in current economic conditions, a lot of people have to work a lot more than that, or have yeah. multiple jobs. Uh, right, we have to spend time with our family. We have to eat all these different things. So, so even even for the the most faithful one of us, God understands that we only, we have a limited capacity yeah. in terms of time and energy and resources to devote to specifically ministry stuff. And so, if we're training people to use what little uh, surplus they have, uh, just serving inside the church then is it any wonder that our reach outside the church has diminished exponentially? Man, it's it's perfect science. It's like you don't have the... Yeah, I, can't, don't have the, I can't add three hours to the day. I can't right. make a 27-hour day so that you can come serve in the church and also still have three more hours to go and do things outside the church. I can't... I my but, friend was just telling me that. She... Um, they live in Nashville. Her, her and her best friend live in Nashville. And uh, their their community just opened a new facility, and they had like a whole weekend of like worship and and all the stuff like that. She said at the end, she said it was amazing. Like there was God definitely got praise because people were praising him. She said, but what did we really do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like right, like I didn't prompt her or anything. Yeah. I, I was. I was just letting her exp- yeah. just talk about the weekend, and she yeah. said she asked the question of her own on her own. She was like, "What did we really do yeah. after all of that? After all, all that energy, all those resources? Uh, I think we've mentioned in past, and we've never done a, yeah. a specific podcast about it, but the the whole conference culture of church obviously kind of got put on hiatus for the last year. Yeah. So it hasn't been really in our face, but again, right. so much resources get spent on putting these on people, yeah. attending them. And it's like, what do we really accomplish when mm-hmm. you think about what that money could do? I mean, and it's like it, learning church. is great. Uh, I love learning. I love a good conference where I've walked away and I've learned some stuff. Yeah. But learning without application, here's, here's the equation. I think I mentioned this before. But I got this from uh, a friend of mine in New York, uh, and I'm not sure if it was something specific to him or he got it from somewhere else. But information plus application equals transformation. Transformation. Yeah. yeah. No, no transformative um, properties happen in our lives unless we apply what information we've got. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's the same as the equation for wisdom, right? Right. Knowledge plus application, knowledge plus understanding of how to actually use that how to use it equals wisdom. How you're to, not wise we're because not doing you know it. a lot of things. Right. So you're only wise if you actually do. If you're things. doing things, and I feel like the body of Christ is just sitting there with the information. Mm-hmm. 
and, and we Not want more information. Africa, right. And we talk, we talk a lot about on, on the, on the faith here about mm. the, the di- that's a Western approach. Yeah. We want to accumulate knowledge and power and mm-hmm. influence and wealth. That's the Western mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as we talked about with Anne, that's yeah. also the brand of evangelism that we export to the rest of the world too, based we on can't. knowledge, power, yeah. uh, uh, control, all yeah. those types. We export that same thing. We're, we can't wait to share that episode with you guys. Yeah, that's going to be... Uh, well, it won't be matter when this. you listen to it now. Yeah, but yeah, it's going to be, gonna be the one <laughs> gonna be the one before this one. <laughs> but, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, you have to... Yeah, and Jesus said it, right? Mm-hmm. He, I forget where it was. I think it's in John like 15 or something. All of this stuff has been in my head because I've been writing stuff about it. But, um, you know, he says, you know, don't, no, it's not, it wasn't Jesus. Maybe it was James or First Peter. He said, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers That's James. also. Yes. Yeah, James. James. James won something, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, it's right there in the scripture. Yeah. They knew the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're ministering to Greeks. Right, right. Who, who are, they were the originators of the Western mindset. This knowledge-focused, hungry, mm-hmm. like all of your prestige was around just a collection of knowledge. And there was nothing greater you could be in Greek uh, uh, society than a teacher, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Plato, Socrates, mm-hmm. right? Famous orators who were j- just about knowledge, right? But if you don't live it out, if you don't do anything with it. That's where the madness comes from. Um, I think it was Solomon that said much learning will drive someone mad. Mm-hmm. because, oh, Of course it will because you have no outlet. You're learning things, but you're not applying them. Yeah. When there's no application, there's not going to be any transformation in your life. And the other thing is, no one is something that I just had a conversation with our kids about. Who is benefiting from your life? Mm. Who are whose life are you making better? That's a great question. You you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what are you? And it's not you have to do this big grandiose thing. Right. But how often are we teaching people? To think about others, yeah, like and helping them to understand your life should be about. And I think I I, I really believe, uh, and I'm sure you believe this too that that Jesus that's what Jesus was. Right, Jesus was that, and and the fact that we are with our mess Western mindsets are constantly thinking about ourselves. Simon Sinek says, and I'll be. Quoting a lot of Simon Sinek instead of Andy Stanley this this because <laughs> you're reading right? <laughs> I'm reading a lot of Simon Sinek, but um, uh, he said it in his book, but he says it all the time on his podcast. He's like, why are there so many uh, bookstores overrun with self help books? Yeah, but not many help others books. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. But that's that's our society. We we just want to how how can I help myself? And there's nothing inherently wrong. With making sure you have a healthy lifestyle, you're disciplined, all that stuff like that. Yeah. But when you we get in this rut of only thinking of ourselves, yeah, my needs every day. Yeah. Who? What's the best choice? Who's for benefiting me? from our life? Right. Yeah. What's the best choice for me? Who's benefiting from our lives? And I and I I felt like that a lot of days, a lot of Sundays, you know, a lot of Wednesdays. And I know, you it could be argued. Well, you were singing and people were blessed from that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But outside of that, what was, because it's a trickle effect, right? Yeah. What did they do Yeah. when they yeah. left? 
have to sit there and you really have to ask the question when it, you know, mm-hmm. conferences like that, mm-hmm. worship conferences, and even our Sunday morning services, like, is God really satisfied with it? Mm-hmm. Or is he looking at us? And I think, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, we have to admit that this is probably closer to the reality. Is he looking at us, you know, greeting each other with, with a fake relationship? Mm-hmm. Uh, lying to each other as everyone in church, oh, hey, how you doing? And we all say fine, even though we're not. And then we go in and we, we, some we, of us sing, a, say we sing a couple of <laughs> blessed and highly favored, too blessed to be stressed. That's right. Uh, all the while you pulling your hair out and screaming at your kids at home mm-hmm. because you don't know how you're going to pay your bill next week because mm-hmm. when your kids had a birthday and you spent more money than you should. Right. Like, you ain't too blessed to be stressed. You're too stressed to be blessed. Right. Like, you know, so, so okay, so we're already starting off with some questionable honesty. And then we come, right off we the come, into, we come into worship. For the first five minutes of the worship song, uh, we're, we're greeting people and we're saying hi to people and we're selling into our seats with no mind or attention paid to the actual song being sung to the Lord. Then we settle into worship. We sing a couple of songs. You know, and we listen to a message. Probably don't take notes. Probably won't remember ninety percent. I love that you're said. tracking this whole we'll thing. We'll say right hey, now. we'll say amen. <laughs> um, but if the if someone asks us what the preacher preached on on the next day, mm-hmm. we're not going to remember ninety percent of it. Mm-hmm. We'll be lucky if we ever remember the title. Mm-hmm. And these are these are the good preachers. These are the good ones. <laughs> the good ones. And then and then we go home and we spend the rest of the week. And God's looking at us while we're singing these songs, what we call worship. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, you don't. That's not true. You don't believe that about me. <sighs> and we have these conferences and stuff, and, and everyone gets wild up. We get the goosebumps from the Holy Spirit, right? And everybody's like, oh, my God, that was so amazing. And mm-hmm. the Lord's like. It's another to, one. To, Jeremiah to, has To take one. the analogy farther along that I talked about before where my friend Joel uh, uh, likened a lot of what happens in mm. Pentecostal charismatic churches to spiritual masturbation. Yeah. Our Christianity, we're kind of like, we're kind of like the prototypical, the, the stereotype of the man who gets in, gets out, and the woman's not satisfied. Right. Like we that's got, exactly we got what we wanted. We got our release. We, we got, got our, our release, satisfaction. Right. We feel good. Mm-hmm. But the Lord's sitting there like, uh, didn't do it for me. It wasn't real. Okay. I don't believe you. Right. Because right. I'm looking at the rest of your life. I'm looking at your heart. That's right. That's right. And there's not a congruency. There's a lot of prophecies, or there's a lot of words from the Lord to the children of Israel that have that theme. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah did said something. Well, Jesus uh, uh, too. Amos. And, this was Jesus. Amos that was Jesus' accusation yep. against the Pharisees. That's it's right. the same thing. Same the, exactly. You have the the. What does he say about the Pharisees? You whitewashed have the, fence. No, he says, uh, you like you have the appearance. That's right. Of holiness, but your hearts. Again, he said the same thing. Are far from me. Yeah. It's it's, uh, Amos said to the children of Israel, "You have." He actually said, "You have your conferences." You do these new moon celebrations, your prayers, your your songs. Mm-hmm. To me, he said, uh, it, I don't I, want them Isaiah, He talks about too. He's yeah. like, uh, I think it might have been early. He said, or no, no, that was in uh, Micah. Maybe there was mm-hmm. another verse where he basically says, uh, uh, "Take your your uh, sacrificial offerings and eat them yourself." 
Woo. I was like, ooh, dang. I was like, ooh, shoot. Dang, Lord, you just going to come time? like that. He's like, basically he's saying, I don't want it. You're, That's right. Your pious meetings, your, your, your outward expressions of humbleness and piety, which is only because you want to try to motivate me to That's do right. something. That's it. But I'm looking past all of the mess and all of right. the pretend and all of the facade, and I see your heart. And because your heart is not congruent, with your actions and not congruent with Christ-likeness, I could care less. You're not going to move me. Your fasting is not going to move me. I'm not going to answer your prayers because you're not being real. You're not genuine. You yeah. don't actually love me. That's right. So I, I'm thinking that our gatherings, if we're moving forward with the gatherings like we have been, they really need to be more like, uh, to use a football uh, scenario and even basketball um, more like a halftime locker room uh, come to Jesus moment mm-hmm. alright guys we're not making our plays that's, we're a, not great, running, that's a great analogy we're not running now let's get out there let's make some adjustments right. here's let's the make plays some... we're going to run now let's we go. see what the enemy is trying to do right that's now right. And we're, yeah, that's so a when great we analogy. gather I love it do that and then send people out yeah. to go have a better second half. Yeah. You, you, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I love it. But I feel like... Bill Belichick this mess. Right? <laughs> I feel like a lot of a lot of, a lot lot of of spiritual leaders may not do that because of the narcissism, because of the, um, the arrogance, because of the, well, this is how we've always done it. Yeah. And, and again, yeah, I don't, me, I don't think so. it's always that, like, I don't know that it's always even that nefarious because I don't it's not. know how much it's actually... Uh, conscious, Given them but I think I think yeah, a lot of yeah. pastors and leaders, uh, I, and I'm there. I, mm-hmm. I've been there. Like mm-hmm. we struggle with this at our church. We've been mm-hmm. trying to build a children's ministry for before my wife and I even joined right. the staff, and it's been a struggle after struggle after struggle. And you try to find ways to try to get people to motivate people to to serve and things. Like that. So I get it. And I and I pro, most of these leaders and pastors, it, it, pro, their heart is for. The ministry, their heart sure. is. This is what sure. I feel like needs is supposed to get done. Uh, this is, but again, it's oftentimes couched in this misunderstanding of what it is the Lord really wants. For sure, but but it's not for most. This has been going on too long for mm-hmm. it to really be on the shoulders of the the current leaders. Sure, because this is just what they were taught. Although, like we talk about, that's not a, none of us have the excuse because we all have the Holy Spirit. Right. So if we were in real authentic relationship with the Lord. And we were being led by the Spirit and not uh, by what I'm, we had been taught. That's what I'm saying. Then these things would be getting course corrected right. much quickly. Right. But but and, and some of that we talk about a lot mm-hmm. fear of man mm-hmm. because this is also what has been taught and been come to expected by mm-hmm. the congregation. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of pastors may be sitting in their offices, stressing and struggling with the internal issue of them knowing that this isn't what God really wants. Yeah but not having the guts to actually make the change because of how people are going to react. And that's why all of us need to step up to a higher level of maturity in our relationship with Christ. We need to free our pastors and leaders to do what they're called to do, to have the vision and to lead us so that we can follow them as they follow Christ. But politics and money and so many other things that we've talked about on the podcast, they they keep our leaders Mm -hmm. from following Christ, and then we follow our leaders, and now we're no longer following Christ. We're following a person, and that's where you get in situations like you were talking about, where yeah. I now become, I start to take on the culture of the personality mm-hmm. of my pastor, 
even if it's not Christ-like. Right. And the culture of the church begins to take on the culture and the personality of the charismatic leader, even though it's not Christ-like. Even though it's not, because the leader said, and you start, you, you start to say things like, well, pastor says, well, that's not what my pastor says. My pastor don't want me to do that. My pastor, and then you start to treat people like right. your pastor treated. Well, you well, can't come to my house unless you bring. Talking about a gift. two weeks ago with the Matthews, right? right? One of the red flags is. Yeah. I think I said this in agreement with something else they had said, but like if you see believers and they talk more about their pastor than God, yeah, then there's a cultural problem in that Absolutely. church. Absolutely. If and the same thing is true. Absolutely. If I look at someone's life. And the majority of their worship is encapsulated in what they do in service mm -hmm. to the ministry mm -hmm. needs mm -hmm. on Sunday morning mm -hmm. versus a congruency in the rest of their life. There's a culture problem. It's bad when you come home from serving to a, your house and none of your neighbors know you. Mm. Like, say so why? Why you guys just? Why you gotta convict me? <laughs> I'm an well, introvert. Think, well, think I about struggle it. with that. I think, feel you. Think though. Yes. You. My wife, we lived in yeah. the house for two years. We yeah. didn't even really reach out to our neighbors until yeah. we bought the house. And then okay. we sent everybody Christmas cards with some cookies. See? And we're like, hey, we're, at, we're here to stay. We bought, we bought this house. We've been there for two years. But <laughs> at least that, at least you did that. And now if any one of them comes outside... You're not going to get a, well, let me hurry up and get in my car. You're going to get yeah. a, hey, Jesse. Which is exactly hey. what happens. They're right. like, hey, how's it going? You yep. know, how's Lilo doing? Right. You know? yeah. See, like, and, and those are little, for for me, those are little seeds. You're planting seeds that this this person knows, well, I can talk to them. Yeah. If I, if I really needed to, I could talk to them. And it won't be weird if you just walk over there because you see them outside. And you're like, hey, what you doing? Right. I'm trying to build one of these. How are you making that? You, you, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I feel like we don't we don't really get into or let me hurry up and get out of this store because yeah. these people are, and I'm guilty of that. Yeah. You know, going into Walmart and just being like, let me hurry up, get out of here because all these people are crazy, right. whatever. Um, and uh, just not allowing for because we want God moments in the in in our gatherings. Yeah. Right. We want those God moments well, in the gathering. We have time for God moments in Walmart in daily life. Right. And it's like, no, God wants to use me in Walmart. Like, Lord, I can't talk to that person right now. I right. got ice cream in the trunk. Right. It's gonna melt. That's right. I have used that justification before. <laughs> See that. And then when, yeah. But when you stop and think about it, you're like, I seriously just made ice cream more important than someone's life. Like, I that's what I that's what I literally just did. Bad Jesse, are, mm -hmm. are you serious right now, dude? Mm -hmm. Like I've literally done that because that's yep. As yep. as we as I found out in the CVI, that's part of my you know intuitive uh, uh, builder, yeah, uh, innovative builder. What is it? Innovative builder. In innovative builder is mm -hmm. that when I'm on a task, yeah, it's very difficult for me to see outside of that task yes. until the task is completed. Until, yes, and so if I'm on the task of going to the grocery store and getting home, and I know that there's frozen stuff in the back. I, my, I've gotten into arguments with my wife because she's like, can we go do... I'm like, we bought popsicles. We got popsicles Player, in the car. We don't we got time go to go home. stop over here. It's hot out. It's summertime, right? That's that's me. Sometimes I get zeroed in and, yeah. and I don't obey yeah. God because I can't see outside of the immediate task, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I saw this. Somebody posted this, and I don't know if there was a quote of actually... You know, people just put quotes on people's pictures. Yeah. But it was a picture of Elon Musk. I don't know if he actually said this, but basically... so. The other thing that we have to think about, too, is when it comes to, like, the spoon theory, yeah. is how much of our time and energy we waste. 
which is where we, we say we don't have time to That's serve right. on a Sunday and we're right. worn out. We say we don't have time to, to give time to God or to serve outside of the house mm-hmm. uh, uh, because we give our own, the three the, the two hours we actually have to we get, give it to a ministry on a Sunday morning. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> the Lord did not build That's us a design to have two two hours for right. him per week. So the breakdown. So there's 168 hours in a week, mm-hmm. right? So we subtract 40 for work. Um, let's say you got a total of an hour. You know, commute both ways. To, I think that'd probably be average for people. 30 minutes there. 30, 30 minutes, minutes yeah. back. So that's what we take out another five hours for travel. Okay. Um, you you eight hours a, a day, seven. That's 56 hours you spend sleeping. Um, that leaves 67 hours. Let's say you spend what two hours a day preparing and eating. So that's minus 14 for food. That gives you 53 hours. 53 hours outside of your commute, you're working, you're sleeping, and you're eating. 53 hours a week. We spend, uh, let's just be generous and say the average person spends three hours in church on Sunday. (laughs) And two hours in Bible study. That leaves you with 48 hours, two whole days in a week that are unaccounted for. Now, yeah, family time has to happen sure. in that. Time with your spouse has to happen in that. You know, recreational time has mm-hmm. to happen in that. But that, okay, if you gave four hours, and that's yeah. a lot of time, four yeah. hours to your, your family, your mm-hmm. kids, your spouse after work, four I mean, if you got off work at 6, that would go to 10 p.m. Most of us don't even spend that much time with our family. Right. Four hours is generous. So let's four hours times seven days is 28. So let's minus 28. That still leaves you with 20, 20 hours. hours unaccounted for. 20 hours, y'all, that, that we waste on nothing. To, uh, if, unless you average in uh, social media time. Well, that's what I mean, nothing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, some, a very few of us. Uh, right, you nothing know, productive. Yeah. Yeah. We use social media ministry-wise, but For I sure. think we can understand that it's still 75% of our time social media is scrolling. It's not actually posting or watching or fake martial arts or... masters getting destroyed. <laughs> yeah, right. It's we we essentially for the most part waste those twenty hours. Yeah. Um, and most of us probably more than that. Uh, thank the Lord Jesus. Well, maybe not thank the Lord Jesus. Please, Lord Jesus, if our TVs gave us weekly time reports like our yeah. iPhones do, Lord, there'd be even more conviction. Oh my gosh. But the basic the basic idea is that like we we have way more time. And, and all of that is ignoring the fact that while you're on your job for eight hours a day, you can be, it's a, you can be in prayer, you can be right. living a life that is worship to the Lord, you can be evangelizing, you can be doing it as yeah. unto the Lord. So that, in fact, you can be worshiping for those eight hours. It's really a moment by moment situation. We right. we have inflated or conflated what uh, worship to the Lord or service to the Lord looks like on Sunday uh, when, when we gather. But it's really a moment by moment basis yeah. in our daily life. God, what are you telling? What are you saying for me to do in this moment with this person, right. or in this moment with this thing that I did? Do I need? I know I need to apologize, but I don't. It's it's so hard. 
and the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do it, that's following God. That's right. service to the Lord. When you say, yes, I'm going to go apologize. I'm yeah. going to go do X, Y, and Z. But it's it's way less than those than these grandiose gestures that we yeah. that we make on 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 the days that we gather, you right. know, with the seventy five person choir and the three electric guitars and the stadium seating. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad. In and of we, itself. In and of itself. But the fact that we've relegated that to being service. Yeah. And when that becomes the, the only thing, that's the right. problem. And I, th- I think that's it's a good thing to clarify for all of our listeners. Yeah. Like, we talk about a lot of these things, and but we want to be clear, most of them are not bad in and of themselves. Right. Right. It's It's... Like we talked about, one the ideology that can then become, uh, uh, it can infect the entire organization mm-hmm. of a church, or when something that is good, but is supposed to be a part of a much larger congruent yeah. lifestyle becomes the focus and the only thing, yeah. then they become bad. It's just like okay, like if uh, uh, you know, fresh fruit is good for you, right? But if I only ate apples. I would die because the apple is not going to give my body all the That's nutrients right. that it needs. Right. Eventually, I'm going to die of some right. of some vitamin deficiency. Yeah. So it's not that it's bad in and of itself, but when it becomes the only thing, then then there's a problem. And I, I love that. I illustrate it like this: I like, love let's that. be if you had a a room full of a hundred Christians, and you said, "Worship the Lord." 99 of them are going to turn to some form of music. They're going to lay their hands and say, God, and I love you. half of them, right. if given the opportunity, right. rather than engage in singing with the other people, would mm-hmm. probably put on headphones and listen to a worship song and worship the Lord on their own. But how many people would be like... Leave the building and yeah. go find somebody to yeah. let's give go, a blanket let's to go, or yeah, whatever. Exactly, right. exactly. Uh, Dang! Let me go. Let me go speak life into my children. Let me go. Like, that. that is not what we think of worship because we haven't been taught that, that worship is a congruent lifestyle that mm-hmm. should be a part of every day from waking to sleeping. Yeah, man. I hope you guys. I hope you guys. This is what Jesse and I always set out to do: challenge and and encourage, um, in our individual lives and definitely with this podcast. I hope you were challenged listening to this, and I hope you were encouraged because uh, the challenging part is just looking at your own life and seeing if that's what you're doing and finding areas where you have relegated service and worship to the Lord to um, Sundays and whenever else you gather with the other members of the body of Christ instead of it being, how can I worship God at work through my actions? Paul says it. In Romans, he said, our, our reasonable service to the Lord, our everyday mundane eating, drinking, the message version says, eating, drinking, getting dressed, going to work days, giving that to the Lord. Mm-hmm. He said, that's our true worship. Right, right. So how are we doing that? You know, I, I was just thinking a yeah. great way to conceptualize this mm-hmm. would be, would you want your church family to watch a video documenting a day in your life. Would you, would you want your brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. to see how you are at work, mm-hmm. how you are with your family yeah. behind closed doors? 
what you do with your computer when mm-hmm. no one's around. Mm-hmm. If there was a camera following you and documenting a day in your life that yeah. wasn't a Sunday, yeah, that was a, a regular work day, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. would you want that aired to the public? Would that, or yeah, maybe not in your church, would you want that to be a special on TV? For sure. And would that... That goes for everybody, but especially those of us that are that people see every, like on stage. Yeah. Especially. Goes for everybody, but especially. Yeah. Us senior leaders, true, worship true. leaders. Cuz our incongruencies have the power to affect far more people. That's right. Um and that's that's the only reason we're held to a higher standards right. because we have a, a larger influence, right? But uh, but if somebody uh, snuck pictures like of you like they snuck pictures of Carl Lentz. That's a great that's a great yeah illustration of what congruency means Mm -hmm. if i'm living congruently if who i am at church and in front of christians uh is who i am all the time yeah then i'm gonna have no problem yeah Yeah. play that video because then people are going to see me talking to you know my coworker and praying with them about what's going on with their their daughter who's sick they're going to see me you know treating my boss with respect they're going to see me, you know, helping Absolutely. someone who, who who got a flat tire on the side of the road. They're going to see me loving, sacrificially serving. They're going to see me, you know, taking care of my family, loving my wife and my right. kids and encouraging them and praying for them. They're going to see me living my life in right. a way that's congruent. They're, they're going to see me dealing with situations, speaking for myself, they're going to see me dealing with situations, though they may be hard, staying there, dealing with them, and coming to a loving right conclusion right coming to a conclusion where there's prayer at the end right where i wasn't trying to self-preserve right and right. lie or what, yeah. whatever none of, you know us, what I'm none of us are perfect right and situations in life aren't always perfect right. but it's it's that idea of hanse do i yeah. take the time to to introspectively okay what change do i need do i need to apologize do i need to repent do for i need this? to repent right uh, do i is there somebody or something i need to forgive yeah. so that my heart is right as Jesus said, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, if you're on your way to, to, to give, give, off, give your offering and you remember that someone has an issue or a brother has a has a, 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 a charge against you, mm-hmm. stop what you're doing. And what does that say? That means God cares more about our relationship with each other as brothers and sisters than he does about our worship because they're actually one in the same. I don't know if y'all heard that. but And because for them it was a specific action. Mm-hmm. The worship was a specific action that they were bringing to yeah. the temple. Yeah. Um, he so doesn't like, care God, about that. Yeah, he doesn't care about the ritual. He doesn't care, right. Yeah. I don't care don't about come that. sing songs to me on Sunday morning out of ritualistic obedience if, you know, you know that someone in the back of the, you know, sitting three rows behind you is ticked at you because you that's said right. something mean to them. That's a theme whatever. throughout. Wow, that's a theme that runs throughout scripture. I, I, I think... We should we should uh, figure out the number of times that word from the Lord went to the children of Israel and how it Jesus actually said it the number of times he said it to the Pharisees and and the Sadducees and stuff. Yeah. I see how many times. It's a lot, y'all. <laughs> how many times he said things like you do it here but you don't do it there. Yeah. You act like it here but you don't act like it there. Yeah. Um, it's that whole. I, it's that's the definition of integrity. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, you can fool people, but yeah. you can't fool God. He sees it all. Man, this was a this was a great this was a great discussion. I again, you guys have any questions? You have any t- uh, topic ideas? Um, but I like to I like to personally know 
if you have experienced this, like what we're talking about, if if you've already done this challenge and you're like, you know what? I have been that person. Yeah. And how have you made um have you made the changes and have those changes really impacted not only you but the people around you if you're married your wife if you have kids your 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 children your neighbors your co-workers how has it impacted their lives how have their lives changed because you've realized there was incongruency yeah. in yours yeah. or if you're a pastor and right. you made this shift in the ideology and the mm-hmm. culture of your church how, how have you seen that impact yeah the testimony, the outreach, the evangelism, um, and the individual lives of the people in your church. Um, yeah, that'd be cool, too. That's dope. Jesse, where can people go to let us know all that stuff? Right, you know, you guys can always <laughs> con- uh, connect with us on Facebook, uh, The Faith Chair. Uh, bl- I remember black and white picture of a... Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. The black black guy, white, white yeah. guy. We black and white host with a black and white logo. <laughs> Right, the the barber's chair with a cross behind it. Uh, that's that's us. I don't think there's another faith chair on Facebook, but just in case, uh, you can message us. You can comment on the the links that we send out every week with the mm-hmm. the links to the podcast. Um, you can email us at faithchairpodcast at gmail dot com. Um, and uh, I think I mean I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we just encourage you guys if if you enjoy this if. Uh, especially if you've been a long-time listener, uh, just continue to to like and follow, but especially share. share Let people around share, you know share. if you're benefiting from this, if if this has been challenging you and helping you grow, which I hope that it is. Mm-hmm. That's why we do this. Otherwise, we really wouldn't care mm-hmm. and take the time. Um, then then share it with your brothers and sisters. And, uh, it, you know, it's not for our glory. Yeah. Uh, we approach it just like Paul. Like this is all the Lord's gift, and it's all the mm-hmm. Lord's wisdom. That's right. We don't make this stuff up. At least we try not to. We try to be sure yeah. that we're being uh, true to the Bible and to the example and teachings of Christ in, in all of this. And um, and so, yeah, just continue to to put it out there to help other believers grow. And uh, and also, some sometimes it's just about knowing that I'm not crazy. Right. I've been sitting here feeling this Absolutely. or thinking this. And it's Absolutely. so different than what everyone else or what I've been taught and what I experienced before in my That's life. Good. Yeah. I feel like I'm crazy or am I being yeah. unbiblical? Am I violating the law? You know, the am I violating God's will or whatever? And just to know that, oh no, this is truth. Mm-hmm. This is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, can be really empowering for people. So, you know, put the word out. And and again, we always love uh, any topics you guys want us to hit comments that you have if you feel like we were off scripturally and you want to share some passages with us mm-hmm. that, you say, that you think speak something else we are not perfect and Please we are do. happy to engage that's right in critique and correction uh we would not be christ-like or biblical if we didn't so uh any and all of that we're open to and uh we, we uh we love you guys and uh Absolutely. And hope that uh that you are uh maturing and growing from being a part of the faith chair with us Thank y'all. Peace. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Join us next time. Yes, please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture.